Today's episode, we're breaking down the fundamentals of risk response planning. I'll break down the common plans utilized as well as what you need to be successful with them. This is a continuation of the conversation from episode two, where we started with risk identification and evaluation. So if you haven't heard that yet, you might want to start there, but otherwise, let's get started. Welcome to the Project CYA podcast, a show for service-based entrepreneurs to explore the intersection of risk and uncertainty in their business and personal life. I'm your host, Julie Okoyama, a small business operations consultant specializing in strategic planning and risk management. With over 15 years experience as a certified project manager, as well as a director of operations and end-of-life doula, My experience has shown me many ways that unmanaged risk can wreak havoc on our lives and our dreams. My goal with this show is to inspire and educate you with the information needed to better cover your ass in life and business. So let's get into it. Hi, friends. Welcome to today's episode where we're going to talk about response planning. But before we get into today's topic, I just want to share deep gratitude for the listeners of this podcast so far. I mean, this is only episode three, but I have been receiving really lovely feedback about how this content resonates, the delivery of the content is appealing, and it just really means so much to me because I am stepping out and focusing on a topic that I really don't see other people building an entire business around, much less really talking about it consistently. So the fact that this dream of mine is something that makes sense to you, is inspiring and valuable to you, really means so much to me. Even just stepping into the podcast space, I'm sitting in this room right now talking into this microphone, but at the end of the day, when this thing is posted, it's public speaking. It's available to for public consumption, and it's easy to get in your head about it and want to be perfect with it. To have this feedback coming in, it really does help boost my confidence, it, not only in that I'm not falling on my face with this show, but also that the content matters to you and is valuable. So not that I'm asking for you to send me messages of validation, but I would love to continue receiving messages from you regarding what content you want to hear about. What does this topic inspire for you? What questions does it arise or potential problems that you're seeing? Like, What are the things coming up for you that I can potentially create content and valuable education around. Towards the end of the summer, I'm going to start bringing on guests. I'm starting to do that planning now, and these are going to be specialists and experts in different fields of the business space. So whether that be different forms of financial professionals, legal, all across the board, other director of operations who work in businesses and work with CEOs and leaders. So they have a very intimate look at the risks and opportunities that businesses face. So I would love to hear what you want to hear about as I'm doing that planning and sourcing those guests. In order to reach out to me, you can send me a direct message on Instagram or LinkedIn, as well as email me at hello at juliokoyama.com. 
the links and information for all of that you can see below in the show notes. But yeah, so I just want to say thank you so much. I am so grateful for those of you who continue to listen. So let's get into today's topic. So in episode two, we started the journey by talking to risk identification and evaluation. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, it's worth a listen uh, before getting into this one because this is really the next step in the conversation. And that episode is less than 25 minutes. So it's really not a big deal to go back and check that out. Today, we're talking response plans. So there are different types of and approaches to response planning, three of which that I'm going to bring up. They're similar but different, and I often hear them interchangeably referenced, in, especially in the small business space. I just want to speak to the nuances there because I think it's valuable to know. Before we talk about the plans in detail, I want to start us with what components are actually involved in the plan from a visual standpoint? Like what information do you need to build the plan? Visually, the plan can look however best makes sense for you and how your brain works. I have a template that I provide to my clients, but they're not beholden to that, It, but it does give them all the information they need to compile the information. You could have your plan outlined in your project management tool as tasks and subtasks. You could have it in a document. You could have it in Excel spreadsheet, PowerPoint. The sky is the limit as long as the information's there and it's very clear on what needs to happen and when and by who. So that gets into the next thing. We start with outlining the specific risks that we have identified and evaluated as critical enough or worthwhile enough to take action on. This also includes opportunities as well. You would list what is that risk or opportunity. You would then identify what is the trigger that would initiate the plan into action. So what needs to happen or what is most likely to happen that would then trigger the need to execute the response plan. So once you know that, you may or may not want to indicate the severity ranking you gave the risk or opportunity as far as from a probability and impact standpoint. You could indicate this is a high risk as far as impact or probability, or you know there's a high reward here if it's an opportunity. Then you want to get into the roles and like from a roles and responsibilities standpoint, you want to assign an owner. So who will be the primary owner of taking action on the response plan? And we'll get into communication, like setting clear expectations in future episodes, because I think that's a pretty important conversation that spans across the entire business conversation. But you want to assign an owner, depending on the size of your business, all of these might be you as the owner, but really a goal that you want to get to, especially as your business is growing and evolving, is that there's diversity and responsibility, that some of these things can be owned by team members by third-party partners that you're transferring 
risk two, et cetera. With all the work I do with my clients, there's always this thread because I'm working with them on looking at strategic planning, visioning, prioritizing goals and projects that are happening now, as well as where they're trying to go in the future. We're doing risk audits if they're looking at their entire business operation, or we're working through their succession plan. So in all of these conversations, there is a common thread where we are trying to take the burden off of your shoulders wherever we can. With you being the primary knowledge holder of your business and everything that's happening in it, especially in the beginning, as it evolves, as you're able to start delegating and getting support or streamlining and simplifying things, like maybe you were just throwing spaghetti at it in the beginning and you were building into, you're adding too much stuff and then you want to streamline and scale back to what is essentially needed. Whatever it is, you're trying to simplify and you're trying to share responsibility and just take the weight of everything off of your shoulders to only carry what you need to be carrying at that particular time. Again, that's a tangent, but when you're identifying these risks and the response planning, don't just assign you to everything. Really think about where you can get support. And maybe it's more than one owner. Maybe there are co-owners or the initiation of the plan is owned by you, but the person that actually takes the action that's going to be the cover your ass activity is owned by somebody else. Then what is the response plan? What is the plan of action? And so now we'll get into different types of planning. First, there's prevention planning. And that would be you identify the risk and then you think through, is there an opportunity to prevent this from even coming to pass at all? And so that can look like what we talked about last week, There's avoidance or mitigation where that could be changing the plan, a modification to the plan to just eliminate that risk from even being a possibility at all. And usually whatever you determine as a prevention plan, if something viable is identified, that is something you'll likely take action on almost immediately after you've conceptualized it, or you'll have a specific milestone point that is usually known at the planning phase of when you'll take action. So that's prevention planning. We won't spend a ton of time on that. The next one is contingency planning. And so this is a little bit of an umbrella plan where the two plans I'll talk about after fall underneath contingency plan, but there's nuance among them. Contingency planning is plan B or a fallback plan. It's if and when this happens, this is what we have to do instead. And so usually it's some sort of deviation and it's not necessarily maintaining course as you have been. Then we get into continuity planning. When we just think about what that term sounds like, continuity, so that's like a continuation, it's flow, it's consistency. So we're usually looking to maintain the status quo here. And so this is more of a short-term solution plan. So if we think about a resource going on vacation, we want to keep the activities that they're responsible for in motion during that time, then we want to have a continuity plan proactively considered 
that gives space for resources to have short-term unavailabilities. So continuity plan being short-term, what are you going to do to maintain consistency of activity during that interruption, whatever that looks like? An example of this in my case is that tomorrow I leave for Boise to go to the ConvertKit Craft and Commerce Conference. Side note, if you're interested in that event or my debrief on attending that event, I recommend you sign up for my newsletter in the show notes below. That is downloading my free risk assessment workbook or opting directly into the newsletter. So that email debriefing on the conference will go out on June 12th if you're interested. I digress. That was a tangent. So I leave for this conference uh, tomorrow. I'm an hour away by flight, but I have client calls in the morning. Then I am hustling to the airport. The flight is short, so I really can't get into anything on the plane. I land and Um, one thing I do with my planner, so I use the full focus planner and it's like a physical planner. I have like my project management tools that I do task management in, but my ADHD brain needs pen and paper and I need to just focus on a few things at a time. So I use the full focus planner. No, I am not an affiliate by the way. I just really have found this as a very useful tool in my life. One thing in that planner is each day you kind of map out your tasks, but next to it, you can block out the time. So it lists from like 6 a.m. to like 9 p.m. or whatever. And I literally block out all of the appointments. And then I look at like what tasks I have for the day. And then I add those into the blank areas. But I also have to build in life, eating, showering, getting some movement in and sleep, of course. So once you build all of that into the schedule, you get a very clear picture on what you're realistically capable of in a given day. So I mapped out all three days of the conference, well, four days, including the travel, and I have no time to do any work. So I'm not even going to take my computer with me, which to be honest, does give me anxiety. But Really, it's just going to be more weight I'm carrying with me when I travel that it's not actually going to be useful because all of my waking hour time is being on the move, peopling nonstop. The reality is I'm not going to get anything done and I'll have my phone with me, which phones are just tiny computers. So for the most part, I'll be able to stay in communication to some minimal extent if any emergencies do arise. So With that kind of perspective on what I would actually be capable of between Thursday and Sunday, I had to then think proactively of like, well, what do I need to do to ensure that my team has the assets that they need from me in order to keep the flow of activities going, whether that be the podcast, the newsletter, client work, etc. So I had to proactively think that through, which I started last week. That included, I want to ideally batch at least two episodes so that when I come back from the conference where I'm likely going to be exhausted because I've been 
so social. I know I'll be tired and depleted. And then it's going to take me at least a day or two to kind of get back in the groove, get caught up. And I'm also jumping back into client calls when I get back as well. Thinking about all of that and not just having the assumption, which I used to default to all the time, that I would just be 100% right back at it. No stop. Go, go, go. Now I have the perspective of, yeah, I might be kind of worthless for the first 36 hours after I get back and I will basically only be able to function at the capacity of getting the absolute minimal amount of things done. So I'm recording this episode and the next episode early and making sure that I get that to my team before I leave so that they're able to work on that. And thinking about client work of like, how do I best ensure that my clients have what they need in time before I'm basically out of pocket for four days? That is continuity planning. It's a short-term way of switching up your strategy to ensure that the same processes and tactics continue to flow. The next plan My favorite plan and the way that I love supporting my clients is succession planning. There's a limited perspective amongst many people on what a succession plan is and what it is used for. And it is really such a, it's so versatile. And I, that's why I'm the next two episodes, I'm really going to get more in um, depth with explaining the different ways that a succession plan can be utilized and useful to you now and in covering your ass for the future. But first, let's start with the super dry definition, and then I'll simplify it. Succession planning is the process of identifying strategies for delegation of roles and responsibilities within the business. It is also a way for you to communicate your intentions for the future of the business if your role were to change or you were to depart the business completely. I always recommend that small businesses turn the lens onto the the question that really gets the wheels turning and simplifies it is what happens to the business if something happens to you? And this can be looked at from expected and unexpected scenarios. If we're looking in both of those buckets, there are two more buckets. So if we're looking at expected scenarios, that would be temporary or permanent. And the same for unexpected. If something unexpectedly happens to you, there are scenarios where that could be temporary. There are scenarios where that would be permanent. So that's the way that I like to structure the conversation with my clients. And then we just take it one bucket at a time. This is looking at other key resources. And essentially, anytime something is going to change with a resources availability or responsibility in the business. This can be a changing of a responsibility in the form of delegation. This could be a change in availability that looks like taking vacations or extended leaves or an accident injury, a need to go care give family members. And the most unsavory one is death. So we're going to talk about 
succession planning in more detail because I really want you guys to be very clear in all the ways that a succession plan can be useful to you, not only in the what if land of something possibly happening that's negative and in an end of life planning kind of way, because this tool can be highly useful for that. But in taking the action to complete that kind of planning, you can really be serving a number of other scenarios and risk and opportunity cases. So what happens if you choose not to do any of these plans? Everything's a choice in life, and we can certainly choose to know something is a risk and then choose to just accept it, or maybe just subscribe to the fingers crossed prayer as an interim solution of like, please, God, don't let this happen right now. I don't want to do anything about it, but let's just hope it doesn't happen. I think the real questions to explore generally and when becoming aware of a potential risk are what will it cost me later if I choose to avoid making the time to address it now? And then it actually happens. Really exploring like what is the true consequence? Then who will be impacted later by the choices I make today? If we go full worst case scenario, if you choose to not get your affairs in order and documented and think about what the lay of the land would look like if you suddenly were no longer available to advise on the business, the business doesn't just end. The business would have to be dismantled or sold or something would have to happen with it. But there's a lot of different components in your business that would need to be addressed before it could be put to bed. So who's left behind that would have to pick up those pieces and deal with that? Do they know what the situation is? Do they know how to access anything that would allow them to be remotely effective in dealing with anything? That's the the worst case scenario, but then we could look at all the other scenarios that you would identify through this process of succession planning and think about who would be impacted if I choose not to do this thinking. And then why am I really choosing to avoid addressing it now? And I recommend taking a couple of deep breaths and sitting with these questions for a minute when you ask them to reduce the risk, wink, wink, of you bullshitting yourself. And I say that with love because I am a bullshitter too. I have beliefs and stories that I tell myself is logic in, in kind of giving myself the out on doing some of the, the perceived harder work. Some of the stories that I hear other people say, as well as I've said myself, that can look like I'm so busy, which is some form of a time component. I don't have time. I can't afford it. I don't know what to do about it. It's probably not going to happen anyway, so whatever. And then one that I do hear often, when I die, the business just ends. There's nothing for anyone to do. The truth is we make time for what's important to us. Does it feel motivating to think of it from the perspective of protecting your team from a big disruption in workflow or to save potentially thousands of dollars in legal fees by investing in understanding how to be in compliance with an online business or by having contracts and terms and conditions strategically in place or retain thousands of dollars in sales because you took the time to back up your website or your launch assets and your systems or your courses. 
and taking care of your loved ones by leaving behind a roadmap for how to sell, run, or dismantle your business in the case that you suddenly become permanently unable to act on the business's behalf. And you can fill in the blanks on why that might happen. I also want to say that choosing to accept and skip addressing the potential risk is also a totally valid option and can be the only option sometimes. I'm not trying to shame anyone into addressing risk. I'm just aware that many of us carry a lot of stories and beliefs that cloud our judgment and vision on what's possible or necessary in a given situation. So the more we question ourselves, the more clear we can become on what truly feels right in this moment versus defaulting to original programming that we have developed over time through getting burned or just being on the hamster wheel of being perpetually busy and at the mercy of everyone else. So I'm going to leave you with that. Next episode, we're going to dive further into succession planning by looking at those buckets that I mentioned. We will look at example scenarios under each to just really give you an idea of what a succession plan can really do in in serving you and your business now, as well as protecting you for the future knowns and unknowns. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. And if today's conversation resonated with you, be sure to let me know by leaving a review. This is the best way you can support me in getting this message out to more entrepreneurs who can benefit from covering their ass as well. Also, Like I mentioned earlier, send me a DM. I would love to connect and hear what you found impactful and what you would like to hear in the future. I'll see you in the next one. Mm